This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome back to the Principal Leadership Lab, a podcast experience created for you by two public school administrators. Without further ado, let's join Jeff and Adam in this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of the Principal Leadership Lab, number 52 to be exact. Adam, how are you, my friend? I am doing great. Can you imagine that we made it past 50 and 51 and now it's 52? I I really can't. What a journey it has been and uh just super exciting you know to again i know we say it all the time but i'm just you know it's it's just a journey you know having having known these people on social media mainly uh for years and then getting to you know chat with them for an hour has just been just been a great great uh use of my time i learn a lot totally and i think that's something that every listener should remember that if you have an author or somebody that you feel like is untouchable, reach out to them because I think mm. in today's world with social media and video conferencing, it's easier than ever. I've never had an author turn me down in connecting in one-on-one or with a group of students. They've always said yes, because Zoom is so much easier. They don't travel. They don't have to pay for hotels. Sure. So sure. take advantage of these things while we have them. That's one of the good things that's happened during COVID. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, just the connections that uh, I, that we've made just have been have been so strong. And um, I, I really am, am thankful for all of them. So that's awesome. I'm, I'm excited about our guest tonight, Adam. Um, uh, he, he and I met, oh, gosh, maybe he can jog my memory when he comes on tonight but a couple of years ago at least now on a on a facebook uh group for school admin i think it was a mentoring group and he and i connected and have stayed in touch over the over the couple of at least a couple of years um so tonight i'm thrilled to be able to bring in and uh let the world know about the executive director at St. Paul American School Hanoi in Hanoi, Vietnam. And I know I'm, I, I'm good. you're gonna have to correct me on Hanoi, 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 Vietnam, hails from Richmond, Virginia, but born in Arizona, Dr. Mu Eiselstein. <laughs> Mu, how are you, my friend? Woo-hoo. I'm great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. All right. So, so what a journey it has been for you. And is it right? Has it been a couple of years since we first connected? It was. It, you were very, you're very accurate. It was on a Facebook group for mentoring. Um, I felt like I was really drowning at the time. And uh, <laughs> uh, that, that mentoring thing uh, couldn't have happened at a better time for me. And yeah, we, I'm very grateful for all the, the conversations that we were able to have and, and being in touch since then. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. I, I don't know how much I helped you, Adam. No comment. Yeah, um, that, was, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, I think I think that uh, the the benefit and beauty of some of those things is just knowing that someone's on their other end of the line and and that you can kick ideas around with. And we were able to do that a number of times. And so, um, you know, I I got a lot of that as well as I hope you did too. So, um, Mu, you are out in in Vietnam. 
And yeah. um, it's 5 a.m. there, my friend. And so I, we're, Adam and I are just really happy that you were able to, you know, not sleep past the snooze too many times, I don't think, right? And join us here at 5 p.m. our time, 5 a.m. in Hanoi time, right? Right. Uh, no, there's no way I was going to miss this. I've been looking forward to it on my calendar. And uh, I, I did want to ask, but I do listen to your show Um But I am wondering, am I the first international educator? Well, excluding Canada, (laughs) excluding Canada, but uh, beyond the North American continent. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, you are. And so we are, we are really thrilled, you know, about that. And, you know, Mu, you and I got to talk a little bit about the difference between, you know, school in, in uh, Vietnam and school in the USA through just our personal conversations. And so I'm, I'm really um, looking forward to getting into that a little more uh, for our audience um, tonight. But yeah, you are the first international guest that we've had on. And so um, we're in touch with one more that we're trying to get on. And, and she is, uh, her name is Georgina and she is out in, um, oh, I'm going to forget where she's at right now. I'll bring it back around to her, but, uh, yeah, you're the first one. So we're excited about that move. Well, we did interview a few people from Illinois and that's like a different country. <laughs> so whole different gut. Hey, wait, I'm from Illinois. Yeah, that's why I said it. <laughs> No, that's funny. Oh, Jordan. She's in Jordan. She's an educator who lives out in Jordan. And so we're, we're, I'm excited to bring her in. Adam, I don't even know if I told you about her. So, yep. Uh, Awesome. So move, I mean, just for, just for this, for our listeners sake, who, you know, who may not know a whole lot about you. I mean, just, just let's start right there. Talk to us about your leadership journey. I mean, how did you get into education and how did you find yourself uh, out in Vietnam? Oh, wow. Two long stories. Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll condense them for you. But um, I like a lot of your guests, um, I didn't get into education right away. Uh, I joined the military, the, the army right out of high school. I, that was something I knew I'd always do because every male in my family has done it since my great grandfather. And so uh, I, I joined the military. I was a military policeman for six years. And then uh, I thought that law enforcement was something that I wanted to do. That was my childhood dream. And I thought I was going to just grow up and be a police officer. But uh, 60 years of that was really tough. Police officers have a really tough job. And it was just something that uh, when I when I left the military, I knew I, I, I couldn't do that job. And, and so I, I kicked around in business for a little bit. You know, I was a, an account manager for a distribution company. And then I got into education because uh, one day I, I substituted for an ESL class. It was kind of an emergency. And uh, um, I did it as a favor. And I that first class, I loved it. I just loved the connection, um, seeing people want to learn. I did it. I, growing up, I wasn't someone who looked forward to learning. Um, and so to be a part of that, just that one class, I, I walked out of that class and said, I'm going to become a teacher. And um, so I, I, I began that road. And um, shortly after getting into teaching, after a few years, I, I saw the, the job of the principal and how challenging it was, but how important it was. And so that's that was a decision I made just after a few years of teaching. And then uh, it happened when I was here in Vietnam. So I, I came to Vietnam not to teach. Um, I had actually met a, a woman online 
And I, well, that uh, sounds a little sketchy already, but this is going to be good. <laughs> we haven't had this on any episode yet, so thank you, Moo. This is going to be good. Yeah, I met yeah. A lady yeah. online. That's a great line. That's going to be the yeah. title of the show. I met a lady first, online. First international educator, first guy to meet a woman online. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was a teacher too. She was. Um, she's from the Philippines, but she was in Vietnam teaching ESL, um, which is very common here in. Uh, we had communicated online for a long time. I had a break and I said, you know, I'm going to go visit her and everything works out. Then, uh, you know, we'll see what happens from there. And I, I flew to Vietnam as a summer of 2012 and I never left. Um, uh, fell instantly. Wow. And, uh, we got married a few months later and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And we're still married to this day. I'm happy to say we have two young children. Uh, we have a how, daughter. how many years have you been married, Mo? Uh, eight years. Well, congratulations. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so that was, it was difficult because I came here. I was like, wow, how am I going to teach her? I didn't know anything about international education. I didn't know that there were international schools. Um, and, and, but um, we had decided that we were going to stay in, in Vietnam uh, for the time because she just wasn't really keen on going back to the U S and, and I didn't want to originally I didn't want to go to the Philippines where she's from and so we said we're going to stay in Vietnam until we figure this out and then I just happened to find a great job at my current school and um, I started my administrative uh, journey from there and the again the plan was to return to the U.S. so I could start that Um, but then the elementary principal position opened up at the school and I just I said why not I'll apply for it and I got it and um, I've been an administrator ever since. That's wow. quite the story. <laughs> and I love how you, uh, there was one part in there when you were first telling us the beginning of the story and you said you didn't uh, like learning. And I bet that you probably did. I bet you did like learning. You mm-hmm. probably didn't fit into the brick and mortar school system that you were, you know, engaging or trying to engage in at that time period. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, I'm hearing, I'm, I see the news about all of the, um, the uh, anti-Asian, you know, racism mm-hmm. that's going on in the U.S. right now. And, and, and that was part of it for me. I, I was, I moved around, like I said, a lot because of uh, my dad being in the military. And so I was often the only Asian American in the school. And, and so I got, you know, bullied a little bit and teachers, they automatically assume that um, I, I wasn't learning or picking something up because of my Asian background. And, and so uh, school was just not fun for me at all. And um, so I, I think you're right. I think I did like to learn. It's just I, I didn't really feel like I had those opportunities. And so I kind of drifted off a little bit in high school, knowing that I would go into the military and not go straight into college. And um, but it was in the military that I learned to love. Uh, I learned to uh, love to learn. I guess you mm. could say. Wow, that's pretty incredible. I mean, you know, I, I, I've had a similar tale, you know, uh, not like in school. You know, I, I think I've always loved to learn, which is why I, you know, when I finally did go back a couple of years out of high school, um, you know, I didn't stop until 2018, you know, when I finished my doctoral degree. So it's not about not liking to learn, but I think, Adam, you're right when you say it's more about the traditional brick and mortar, you know, learning in these four walls, in this desk, in this row. It's about that, you know, for me that I didn't like and so many kids 
kids. I mean, we could have a whole episode or two about traditional schooling and how it doesn't work for so many. You're right. So that's awesome, man. What a, what a great story. So you, so you, so you found this St. Paul American school where you're at right now and you taught there, then you became the principal there, uh, but, but you're the executive director now, right? I mean, what's, is, right. is there a difference in titles in Vietnam? Yeah, for this school, it is. Um, it's base executive director is head of school. And so okay. um, I was the elementary principal for four years. And then because it's it's a different setup, it's, it is a for-profit school. And so it's, it's owned by one gentleman. And um, for the longest time, we kind of reported directly to him. And uh, we've always, we meaning me and the secondary principal, we've always, you know, recommended that we have a more traditional structure um, to make it more focused on education. And uh, last year he finally said, okay, Moo, you know, put up or shut up. And um, he made me the executive director in wow. first year of the position. Yeah. So it's still owned by him, but he made you executive director to give it a more uh, traditional feel, right. Of, of who's in charge maybe. Right. Um, so when, before this setup, it it did just just didn't feel right education wise to have two principals reporting to a CEO, mm. uh, and and so now I have basically my job is to um, obviously strategic direction and making sure we have the proper frameworks and procedures in place, but um, just to handle all the educational aspects of the school and um, he's the finance guy. So I, I, whenever we need, you know, money, we have a process for that, but he, he, he kind of controls that part. And so I can focus on the community and education. Does he ever get involved in the education side of things or does he pretty much remain as the CFO or the financial, you know, person? For the most part, he, um, he stays with the finances. There are times where, um, you know, when we have a, something new that we want to try at the school or, um, and it's not something that he fully understands. He'll he'll um, inquire about it and and ask about it. And and um, he has two children at the school, and he wants them to have a great experience too. And so um, he does get involved a little bit. But uh, surprisingly, from what I've heard from other you know proprietary schools, he's he's been able to let it go and just kind of let us run it. And so it's it's been a great experience for us. It's really similar, I think, to a, a small scale, but compared to our school within our state system, that our state government, the, the Department of Public Instruction, for the most part, leaves us alone. But then sometimes they do put their fingers in closer to the pot and, you know, force us to do certain programming and, and to do certain things. So it's, I think, similar, but on a much smaller scale. Yeah, I think... Um... It's scary when I, and I always tell this when I um, meet new, um, new teachers or we're going through the interview process, the hiring process, that's something that always comes up is that it's a for-profit school and it's owned by mm -hmm. someone. What does that do to the educational quality of the school? And uh, I, like you just said, Adam, I, it's the same thing, basically, whether you're, you know, I, I know nonprofit schools that have a board of management that's or board of directors that's much more involved and it has much more say. And um, so, yeah, it's just how you're able to get everyone on board on the mission and, and focused on education first. And, and I'm glad that we've been able to do it. Wow. 
That's so interesting to me. So as so as you moved into this executive director, head of school position, you say this is your first year in that role? Yes. So how how is that different from what you were doing before? I mean, have you felt uh, have you felt a difference in responsibility in terms of what you're doing now as opposed to being the uh, elementary principal? Absolutely, because I am uh, responsible for overseeing the secondary school. So we, we still have an elementary principal and we have a secondary principal and I kind of supervise them to make sure that they have the resources that they need that we're, you know, staying focused on our mission. Uh, they're younger too. Uh, they're in their first year, second year of being school administrators. And so it's been really helpful for all of us uh, to have this new director role to kind of guide and mentor them as well. So it, it is, it sounds, uh, it is different. It's just more, I guess, divisional, I guess, mm. a way to put it. Uh, um, but I'm there every day. We meet and talk about things all the time. We have daily check-ins, uh, weekly meetings, and um, I, I'm just more of a resource for them. A big part of my job is um, the community. So as principals, obviously, you have to have a great relationship with your with the, all the stakeholders of the school. But for me, I'm kind of the, the face in the international setting. And this is kind of an international setup. Uh, mm. Most international schools do have what they call like a head of school or a director and then principals for each school. Like if they have a, an elementary and a secondary. And uh, um, so that's, that's, that's pretty common. Yeah. Wow. wow. So as a, as a, um, school in Vietnam, who are your clients? Because I looked at your Facebook page and I see there's a lot of English. There's some, it looks like maybe Vietnamese, but I'm not very good at telling the languages. Yeah. So who are your students that actually attend that school? Do they come, where do they come from? You tell us. Yeah, we have um, students from 26 different countries. Uh, Hanoi is a very international city. Um, most of our students are actually from Korea. Uh, I know it sounds kind of strange since because we're in Vietnam, but uh, there are a lot of Korean companies that uh, have families working here. Samsung's largest facility is here right outside of Hanoi. Uh, a lot of the construction companies that work inside of Vietnam are from Korea. So most of our students are Korean, and then we do have 25% Vietnamese, and then the rest are, like I said, uh, spread out over those other uh, 24 countries. We have a lot of American students this year because of we have a lot of teachers that brought their children with them. Um, so that's always exciting. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but we call ourselves an American school because we obviously follow like, the American Common Core standards. Most of our teachers are from America, licensed teachers from America. And it's just to give a lot of most of our students want either that educational, that American um, value system, that educational structure, or a lot of them also have aspirations of going to an American university or a boarding school if they're younger. And so we're kind of like a, like a preparation for them to, to have those experiences. Hmm. When you have um, teachers that are coming to work inside of your American school in Vietnam, are they, do they come for, I'm, I'm sure that I can answer my own question, but I'm curious to see if there's any specifics. Do you have do they come for specific reasons? Are some of them, you know, fresh out of college and they just want to explore the world or do they, are they, are their husbands or spouses, whatever husbands or wives working in Vietnam and they apply to work in your school? What, is there a, a larger group or 
you tell me, what's it look like for teaching staff? It's pretty mixed. Um, so like you said, there are some, um, some teachers that during college, they learned about interna international education and they want to try it as soon as they get out of college. Um, we also have um, teachers that were in the public school system for a very long time, and this is their opportunity to travel internationally um, for a little bit. And, and we have everyone in between, you know, people like me that just kind of landed in, in uh, Vietnam or in the international scene. Um, so it is, it is pretty varied. Um, but we're very fortunate. Um, that, I'm sorry, I should go back. There are also teachers um, that are kind of frustrated with the public education system right now. And um, so they also, you know, are, they're looking for, a, a, they want to remain in teaching. Um, and so they come here for a few years before they go back, kind of get re-energized. And, and, and I don't mean that to sound negative sure. um, about the public. It's just, you know, they have, I think we all have different um, ideas and visions for what we what we want to do as educators and sometimes they feel like they can do that in an international setting and so yeah it's it's people from all over with all over different goals and and aspirations yeah i agree with you the the level of frustration is probably at an all-time high at least from what i've observed from my career over 25 years and sure. uh, covid has probably painted that picture even more clearly for me mm. you know um and, and I hope that somebody, and I know a lot of people at the Wisconsin, the public, uh, Wisconsin, the public department of public instruction, and I hope they're listening because, you know, during a pandemic, we could have used more support, more help, more guidance. And I got less than ever, you know, it, it, all those hard decisions. Should we have school? Should we not have school? Should we wear masks, not wear masks? Uh, you know, it, it came all the way down to, well, we're going to leave it up to a local control. But when it came to the teacher evaluation, if I would have said, we're not going to do uh, Danielson's model or educator effectiveness as determined by the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction, I would be on, on the curb without a job. So, you know, those are things that uh, it's frustrating. So if it's frustrating as a principal, I can guarantee you that our teachers have experienced levels of frustration for all kinds of different topics. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, some of those people found different places to land like sure. in Vietnam at an American school that they can, you know, continue their teaching while some of the wrinkles get ironed out here in America. So they can, you know, just another opportunity. And I think that's good. Yeah. yeah it's been a learning experience for me too, um, to learn from their different frustrations uh, because it obviously, you know, we, we, we try to address them here. Uh, Vietnam has been very safe with COVID. Uh, we're, we're in school face-to-face. -face. We do have some minor, you know, some little safety precautions that we have to do, like uh, wearing safe uh, masks to school and um, um, checking temperatures and things like that. But um, yeah, but to hear about those frustrations that they have, everything from teacher budgets to um, how policies are created and stuff. I am happy to say, because I am I'm very much a public education fan and advocate, that uh, most teachers come here frustrated and then they, they get that spark and then they look forward to going back. And so we do send them back to you um, pretty, Thank you, you know, <laughs> And, and ready to get back to it. There is a couple that just moved back to San Francisco um, that specifically, like they wanted a public education job and they had new ideas and new, uh, a newfound belief in the system and they couldn't wait to get back. So I am, I'm happy that that happens. 
without minimizing, because I don't mean it to sound minimizing, but this could be like a work vacation to come over to Vietnam and work for two, five years, whatever, whatever you guys work out as a contract or something. I think it'd be great to explore a different area, mm-hmm. a different country, different part of our world, and then still work the craft that you went to college for that maybe you bleed sweat and tears for every day. So that that's a good, you know what people that are listening should consider traveling and, and participating in a school around the world. It seems safe too. You, you don't seem worried about your school. You don't sure. you know, on your Facebook page. You don't have, you know, alarms that, you know, when I read it, it doesn't seem alarming to me. So travel can be safe. And I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's very safe. It's very fun. Cost of living is great here. You can save some money coming here wow. and yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I, I agree, Adam. I think it'd be a cool thing. We don't advertise it as like that. You know, we want to, <laughs> no, no, for a few years. but you know, deep down being an American and, and, and loving the public education system, I do. Uh, I someday want to return. I don't know when that will be, yeah. Um, but yeah, they definitely leave here feeling energized. That's good to see. Well, Jeff couldn't afford to fly there with his like 50 kids. No. So that's no. the hard part. Maybe you can meet, we can meet someday when you come back to the States, but I'm not flying out anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, but you can it. probably afford, if you can get the flight here, the rest is really cheap. So See that, that's, in, that's enticing. That, that's, that's good to hear. And, and no. I don't think you have to shovel snow, right? No snow. That's oh. what I hear, baby. Okay. Yeah, line me up. Uh, do you have I'm a, do you have a science position in a middle school tomorrow? I'll be there. What? 72 hours. I can be there. <laughs> we'll make room for you adam okay good <laughs> that's awesome you know it does give me give me pause to think about you know wishing that we could do the same thing you know i mean you know it sounds very intriguing and lovely uh, to be able to head out there get recharged still do still teaching you know and and then come back to the united states and bring some of those great that great energy here you know um, so, but I'm curious, you know, that it's, it's an American school. So, so it's, it's the, I mean, the curriculum is the same as you would find for the most part here in the States. Am I, am I right? Not all schools out there, but your school in particular, because it's an American school. So it might not have the constraints of a, of a public school here in the States, but the curriculum is, is are there other things that are similar or different? That's exactly right. We, uh, we try to make it as an American experience as possible. Mm. Um, so everything from it being uh, is an English uh, language environment. So students have uh, that immersive English experience. Um, we have everything that we, we try to model it, a core value system, um, the way we do assemblies, uh, the, we use map for assessments. Mm. Um, I think any American educator would come in and feel right at home other than, you know, having to um, the way they get to the school, it's very different. Um, But it, it, it's very similar and very, what children would see in America. I mean, everything, we really try to make it as American as possible. Well, that's great. Well, because of Adam, if you get an influx of requests to come out and teach there, you can blame him. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I, i'm not gonna share this episode with my teachers because i'll be like i want to work for moo i don't want to work for you anymore i'm out of here i'm going to vietnam the um, international teaching has some challenges too you know culture shock um it's very real uh i know when i landed here eight nine years ago um the first thing you see in the airport is military people uh and it's just very it's 
it's run by the military. And so it's, it's kind of off-putting, but it, you know, everything from missing home, I miss uh, Subway sandwiches. I haven't had a Subway sandwich in like three or four years. Yeah. So things like that, we do have McDonald's now, although I try to stay away from McDonald's. Yeah. Nothing against the company, just um, I'm getting older and the, the food goes straight to my belly now. Yeah, but um, I know the feeling. Yeah, but there, there are some ups and downs. There are some positives and negatives to it, but yeah. Sure. Well, that's great. I, I would love to come visit, Moo. Love to come and visit. You're, you have a place to stay oh, anytime. Thank you. Yeah. That's amazing. Thanks. That's amazing. Been with his 50 kids, all of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a big place here. So cost of living, like I said, is pretty low. So all right. you're all welcome right. to Adam anytime you're in, in Vietnam. You know, I make jokes about Jeff and his large family, but it's because he has a large heart too. So as funny as it may be to make fun of him, Jeff, it's true. You do have a big heart. You and Michelle have done a great job with adoption, okay. and it's pretty amazing. I, not everybody can do that. I, I, I couldn't do that. It would be hard for me. You could. You could. Well, that's good to hear, but. My wife would say, I don't like kids. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's kind of hard. You got, you have to love kids. I, I think all three of us here on this platform do. So we do. Yep. <laughs> hey, Moo, is there, is there uh, along your career, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be, I mean, you take this in any, in any direction you want, but is there, has there been something that you, you have viewed as like a, a challenge or, or as a couple of our guests like to reframe it, have, have liked to reframe it an opportunity. They don't like to view them as challenges, but along the way in your educational path, I mean, what would you say about that? If we asked you about a challenge or an opportunity that you faced and how you dealt with that? I two things immediately come to my mind. Can I share two? Sure. Um, I think the first one um, is my me personally, my personality. Uh, when when you think of principals and school administrators, um, I'm, my personality is not the first thing that you think of. I'm very much an introvert, um, and, and so. Uh, and I'm not like the boss type guy, you know, I'm, I, I very much believe in shared decision-making and working with um, collaborating with um, everyone on my staff. And, and I think that sounds really good. I think everyone wants that. Sure. Um, but also there are times where, where people want, or people need kind of that visible, you know, powerful image of a leader. And sometimes I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm a very unassuming guy when I go to um, functions with other schools and stuff most of the time people don't you know look at there are people that you see that you're like that's a leader like Jeff you you look like a leader to me you look like a school leader to me Uh, I look like you know the kindergarten teacher that I used to be and so for me it's kind of um, being that being that figure when I need to be that's the Mm. that's a very challenge for me. Um, so that's a personal one. And then I would say a professional one is I've always, the best definition of leadership that I've ever been given was when I was in the military and it was uh, a leader takes someone from where they are, wherever they are in their journey, um, to where we need them to be. Mm. And for me, I have, um, I think that's a challenge getting to know where people are in their journey, what their personal goals are, how that aligns with the community's goals and, and getting them to there, getting them to that. So if there was like a magic wand to do that, I wish I could find it. Um, 
I love doing it because I love learning about people and I love learning about how they got to where they are and, and how they identified where they want to be um, and how that meshes with what we're trying to accomplish as a school community. I love that aspect. It's just, um, I wish I was better at it. <laughs> mm, I love that you're willing to share your thoughts as you did today, Mo. You know, so 37 minutes ago, I met you and you're, you feel um, welcome enough to, to bear your soul, so to speak, to tell us that here's my shortcoming. And I'm going to tell you that that is a strength and I wouldn't let anybody take that away from you. And you just have to hire people that fit those other parts that you're not that strong in. You know, I, I think that I am similar and Jeff, you're probably similar to Moo as well. Uh, we're not really authoritarian type of leaders, but I do find people that can fill that role for me. And they don't have to ask my permission because I trust them. I've hired them because they feel a weakness or a, a, not a strength anyway. I don't know if it's a weakness of mine, but they fill those other parts that we're not as, not as strong in. And I just have to give them permission that you can do that. You do your work and I'll do my work. And uh, together it's a good fit. So definitely don't feel bad about it. I would much rather have a leader with a big soft heart instead of a leader with a big club. So keep that in mind as you go through and, and overcome those struggles and opportunities that you face in Vietnam. I appreciate that, Adam. I, I feel comfortable sharing that because I have, I do listen to the show and I've listened to your other guests and it, it feels like a great place for us to be able to share those things so that we can learn from each other. And uh, I'm not embarrassed about it anymore. Like you said, um, I think you identify areas that you can grow or you find people, you surround yourself with the people that do excel at those things. And, and I, I'm thankful that I do have those people um, mm. with this year and so it's just a personal thing like I wish that I was more you know I wish I was more like a certain way but um, I'm completely happy um, yeah. letting be that person too <laughs> I love that man I, I mean I'm as as you were talking you know I I felt like um you know it was almost like like your challenge has been needing to get out of your own way you know get out of your head and not worry about that that personality thing you know like oh I wish I could I wish I sounded more authoritative or I wish I you know I wish I was taller because as I was going into the high school four years ago and thought I, I never saw myself as a high school principal because mainly most of the kids are taller than me you know I'm only five nine and you know I, the kid they grow them bigger these days yes. they, if the kids are just so tall and most of them are taller than me I thought I'd be intimidated by them but you know it's just it's how you carry yourself it's how you believe in yourself and and uh, um, I, I remember the an assistant superintendent that I had one year in a, in a certain district that I worked in and she was a, a short little lady maybe maybe five two and that's given her an inch or two but she carried herself with such a an authoritative demeanor that that you know everyone overlooked that it didn't matter you know you you listened to her when she spoke (laughs) same thing at heritage elementary school oh absolutely (laughs) with the onus yes yeah yeah sure and i didn't know her too well but i could tell she she, i I didn't meet her though she carried that personality so I love that you share that, Moo, and I think our listeners are going to be able to glean a lot from that example right there. And we talk about all the time, and you know, some people call it imposter syndrome, you know, where you let these this self doubt creep in, and and you think, oh, there's no way that people would want to hear from me, you know. So you just can't believe that it's you, right? So I love that, and I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, you talked about Jeff. You talked about uh, needing to be taller, possibly, to fit into the high school. <laughs> Well, when, when Jeff came to Heritage Elementary School, when I first met him, you know, 25-ish years ago, 
I was teaching fifth grade and my wife always made fun of me that I looked like I was in fifth grade. So that was the first year I grew a goatee and I've had one ever since. And now it's like grown into a full beard. So you, you have to cope and overcome with whatever skills you need to get through the hard times. So whether I'm short or face hairless, now I'm both, I'm short and hairful. So, <laughs> so Mo, like I said, now we're up to like 41 minutes I've known you and I feel like I've known you forever. So that's a good sign. I think it's a sign of a good leader. So good as you look into the future, what are you most hopeful for? Um, gosh, there's so many things I'm hopeful for. I think going back to something we touched on with just the current climate in the U.S., um, you know, how we're responding to COVID, how we're acknowledging, um, you know, certain biases or that there's, you know, like the anti-Asian hate that's going on right now. And I'm just hopeful that as an education community, we can find a way to learn and be those, be those leaders in, in enacting change. Because I think if you look around, who else is going to do it? You know, we, we rely on our government a lot and, and that's great because they are, they're there for the, for us, for the people. But I think as a, as a, a community that is, um, that is becoming more progressive and showing that they can tackle these social issues, um, I'm hopeful that as a whole, as a profession and as a community, that we can really be those the ones leading the charge and saying, okay, uh, this COVID did this to our education system and the way that we think about education now. Um, how can we learn from it and not just not just cope and 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 fix, but thrive on what we've learned from COVID um, with um, you know the Black Lives Matter movement, you know Asian Lives Matter, like. How can we as a school community get in front of that and not react to it so much, but continue to teach students that there's value, everyone's valuable and everyone's important and everyone um, matters. And, and so how can we as, a, as an education community kind of push that? And so I'm hopeful that, that we can do that because I don't know who else is going to do it. And we even, you know, it's something that I really want to put in front of people here. Like we're in Asia we're kind of isolated from a lot of that. Like I, I have to read about it in the news. I read about what happened in Colorado and, mm. and my heart and prayers go out to everyone for that. Um, but even here in Asia, you know, what, what can I do as a leader um, to help people get that mindset? So like, we, we have to be um, those agents of change so that if, if, and when they go back to America, they're ready to do that. So I'm just hopeful that we don't lose these opportunities and instead, we can kind of um, make an op- make them an opportunity, make them a chance to grow. Wow, that's you make great. it sound so simple. You know, I mean, really, it is. It's about us enacting those changes, caring for one another, be kind. You know, mm-hmm. and it starts with our our students in pre K, kindergarten, and we continue to yeah. teach. So I'm willing to lift up the the charge. So I'm going to follow Moo. I'm following Moo. What about you, Jeff? There we go. I'm with you. I love the phrase, you know, we're not, we're not just here to cope and fix, you yes. know, that's not, that's not what we do. You know, what's, what's the next level there? What's, what's next level change. And, and if not us, then, then who, who, who's that going to be? You know, it, it has to be us that we have to enable and empower others to change as well, you know, to inspire change in others. So love that Moo. Great advice all the way Thank from you. Vietnam, 12 hours away. 
<laughs> Thank you. I'm so hopeful. I, you know, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but both of my children are special needs in the way mm. that the children here just rally around my children and, and help them and accept them and embrace them and love them. Like you guys know, when we were growing up, it wasn't like that. It, things were different with, you know, unfortunately, special needs children were bullied and um, they were viewed as very different. And, and so teachers at our school have have shown children that difference is not only uh, uh, difference is not something that you kind of tolerate, but you embrace. And so mm. um, I'm seeing it happen with my own children in my own community. So why not every, why not the whole education community? Wow. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even just our own profession, but speaking of our profession, the um, our students with special needs when I was in school were often not even present. They were hidden, tucked mm. away, not to be seen. And, you know, Absolutely. that's, it, it just seems so shameful and so archaic, but it wasn't that long ago, you know, that's the scary yeah. part. So the good news about that, the hopeful part is that change can happen very quickly because that wasn't that long ago and we are already making big steps to make that better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. I love that. I'm glad that you shared that piece about your kids, Moo. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, what a great, what a great community for them to, to grow up in and learn uh, about acceptance, you know, and, and uh, em empowering others to do the same. So I love that. Hey, if, uh, if people want to get a hold of you, Moo, what's the, what's the, what's the best way? I mean, is there, are you, I, I mean, I don't know how heavy you're out there on the social media, um, but if they want to know more, if they want to talk to you about school in Vietnam or anything that you've mentioned here today on our show, how can they reach you? Yeah, it's tricky. I have a um, a, di a very different name, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's not one that I can just say and you can find easily on Facebook. But <laughs> I think if you were to just look up St. Paul, Hanoi, uh, mm. you could go to our Facebook page and, and, and I post there often and Great. you can find contact information there. Do a Google search for St. Paul, Hanoi um, school and you'll find my contact information on there. I am on Twitter. Uh, it's, it's Moo underscore Eiselstein. Okay. Uh, I, I use that as my, um, professional learning network. So I'm, I'm very active on, on Twitter. Great. As well. yeah. Okay, great. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, put that in the show notes so that people are able to find you if they want to connect and, uh, listen, it's, uh, it's 10 to 6 AM on a Wednesday, 10 to 6 p.m. on a Tuesday for us. So I, I hope you have a great day at school. I'm assuming you're going to get ready and go in in a little while. <laughs> yep, yep. So just a brilliant, we really appreciate you coming on the show today and I uh, can't wait to share the world, your, your wisdom. So um, uh, yeah, best of luck to you. Let's stay in touch. And uh, it's been, it's been a great, great talking to you, Mo. Thanks, Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Adam. It's been such a treat for me. I'm, I'm so honored that you had me on your show and um, look forward to talking to you soon. Well, the honor is all ours. We uh, we learned a lot tonight. So, Dr. Moo, and congrats. You got the one year on your doctoral coming up here in June, right? That's right. Thank okay. you. Congratulations on that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Awesome work. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. And Adam, I'll see you next time on the Principal Leadership Lab. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Principal Leadership Lab. Feel free to connect with us in between episodes on Twitter and on Instagram. All of our information is included within our show notes. Until next time, this is Adam signing off for the Principal Leadership Lab.